just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to the show. My name is Johnny Ball. This is Speaking Influence, at least for now. So for those of you who have been tuning in regularly, you may be aware that there are some changes coming up on the show and more about those in just a moment. But this is the Influence and Persuasion show that is really all about helping you build professional authority and become a powerfully persuasive communicator. And whilst we're on that journey, also helping you pick up some of the tips and tricks that are going to help you be able to defend yourself against the weapons of influence and persuasion being used against you and also learning how to use those weapons in an ethical way for your life and your business. Now I have mentioned some changes coming up on the show, like the name is going to be changing and I'll tell you more about that nearer the time. And some of the focus of the show is going to be narrowing a bit more. And whilst we'll still be having great conversations about influence and persuasion with experts from various fields, a lot of the focus is going to be narrowing into building influence and authority and becoming more powerfully persuasive communicators through podcasting, whether as hosts, whether as guests, whether as marketers or other ways that you may be able to think of to use and leverage podcasting for your professional growth. We're going to stay very focused on the business side of influence and persuasion and helping you to build and grow your business, your authority, and to become a recognized expert in your area. This week on the show, we're going to be talking about storytelling. And my guest for that is an executive coach who has been helping other coaches understand the power of stories in their work and in their communication skills to be able to be better communicators and more effective with how they deliver and also in understanding ourselves. Her name is Sophie Wadsworth. I know you're going to enjoy this show. I have had some amazing guests recently and you might want to check out some of those recent shows with people like Chris Ducker, Mr. Upreneur himself, Daniel Tolson, Adam Adams from the podcast on podcasting, Alex Sanfilippo from PubMatch and more besides. I've already started recording some of the shows that are going to be under the new focus and new brand of this podcast. And I know that not everybody is going to love the change that's coming across. So as we make those changes, some of you may love some of the content that's more about influence and persuasion still, and not so much the stuff that's going to be more focused on the podcast side of helping you to do that. And that's absolutely fine. Hope there's still going to be plenty that will keep you wanting to tune in. For some of you, the podcast stuff is going to be really great for helping you to really focus in on building your professional authority and becoming an amazing communicator. Whichever path you're on, I hope you'll stay with us for future shows. And if you'd like to contribute to the show in some way, shape or form, please do get in touch with me. My website is presentinfluence.com. You can find all of my contact information there. And you'll often find me hanging around on Twitter and Instagram as well, which can be great places to contact me. You're probably already thinking, hurry up and get on with the show. So I'm going to do exactly that and hope that you will enjoy today's episode of Speaking Influence. Welcome to Speaking Influence, the show that helps you to master the psychology and application of ethical influence and persuasion in life and business with persuasive presentations and podcasting coach, Johnny Ball. Welcome to Speaking Influence. Now we are revisiting some territory to some degree because we have, but it haven't done it for a while. We do sometimes like to talk about storytelling and using stories in your influence and persuasion as part of how you communicate about what you do and how you entertain and engage an audience. We have someone with us today who is going to help us be able to do that even better than we may have done before and become better at communicating through stories and more besides well. She works as an executive coach. Her name is Sophie Wadsworth. Please welcome to the show, Sophie Wadsworth. Thank you so much, Johnny. Great to be here it's with great. 
Great to have you on the show. And I'm looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have. But before we get into talking more about storytelling and a bit more about what you do with that story, with storytelling in your own professional life, I'd like to know if there's somebody who you particularly look up to, respect and admire for their influence and persuasion and for how they use it and, and why. Well, most recently, it's um, a thought leader and coach wouldn't you know, named Dory Clark. And I find her someone who has wisdom. Each time I read her posts and her books and speaks with great integrity and she's super real, even though she's very accomplished. So that's the first person who comes to mind. Fantastic. So is that someone who you try to be more like? You model the kind of way that she shows up? You know, I do in certain ways, Johnny, because I find her very consistent and energetic in her writing. So it's like I can count on this voice reaching out to me in this steady way, challenging me, but also saying, I've been there. Here's how I've been there. And um, even sharing anecdotes. Um, I love stories. So I have a sense of she's traveled the road, she's way ahead of me. And I can, we build some of my own path, knowing how she's navigated. Yeah, some tough stretches. Um, and uh, yeah, had a lot of, I think, ability to learn from experience along the way. So I admire that and hope to do more of that myself. Great. I guess it's important to have people who are already further along in the game who we can look up to and follow in their footsteps and then find our path beyond that as well. That's a great answer. And I would like to know if you, you work as, a, as an executive coach. And so some of you might thinking, well, where does storytelling fit in for somebody who's working as an executive coach? Where does it fit in? What, how do you use that in the kind of work that you do? Well, it shows up in a variety of ways. I think one of the ways it shows up is the story that we're telling ourselves of where we are in our career. So as an executive coach, I am inviting people to reflect on their journey to the here and now, why they do the work that they do, and some of those peak experiences, the highs and, very importantly, the lows that they've navigated along the way. Because the story that we tell ourselves is extremely powerful in how we are connecting with the people that we're selling to, um, that we're coaching and that we're working with if we're leading a team. So that's the first way is what's the story in our own head, our journey, so to speak, this moment when we're in this conversation. Yeah. So how do we identify our story? Well, that's a big question. Yes. And, and that's something where it's very helpful to have a coach to guide you along the way. I'd say first, it's taking the time to reflect, to write, to record into your phone, however you like to explore it, what your life has been and what stories stand out for you. If you think about moments of crisis and moments of great accomplishment and just let yourself write them, type them, speak them, that's actually a very good beginning. And I would say more specifically, you can think about what are the stories you tend to tell to your staff, to your colleagues, you know, when you're sitting around. What do you tend to say about, like, what are your war stories about the trials and tribulations so far? And think about the nature of those and who you were as a character in that story. That's a great starting place. It's not necessarily about, oh, I need to go figure out some story I've never told. Often we've got these vignettes that we already are telling, and it's a matter mm. of excavating those and amplifying them and understanding them in the larger narrative of our lives. Yeah. Do you find that in some of the cases where you're working on this sort of thing with somebody that they maybe feel reluctant to talk about some of those deeper challenges that they've had in life because perhaps they don't want to share those stories with people who they maybe see see them as being one particular thing and 
that these stories of where they've maybe failed or crashed and burned or whatever else has come before, that that might change the way people think about them or make them seem less than they hope that people see them as being. Have you ever come across that? Oh, sure. I mean, I think we all have feelings about our stories and how they might be received that lead us to be anxious. And it's hard to know how much do we pull back the curtain, right? How much do we share with whom? So some of it is a question of confidence and trust that this is a valuable way to share who you are with other people. And some of it is knowing your audience and sort of understanding, well, who are they and why am I telling this story to them? And what is it that I hope that they'll take away from it? Um, So I think knowing the purpose of sharing the stories first and having clarity about how we want to make the audience um, feel the person um, on the other side of the screen or the table is a great starting point because when we're clear, oh, this is the experience that I want to give them by sharing these elements from my life. Well, then we've got some of the recipes started for what we're going to share, right? And say, okay, if I want them to feel this way, if I want them to have these thoughts about who I am or who my organization is, then how am I going to get them there? Well, I have to be a bit vulnerable, right? And think about what your comfort level is with vulnerability and how much do you need to share, I guess, communicate that experience and and what are you comfortable with? Because you got to be comfortable, right? Nobody wants to see or hear us, you know, go out on the ledge and then throw one foot over the ledge while we're talking. It's just makes us all uncomfortable. So some of it is also knowing what's your edge, so to speak, and you could take small steps, right? Don't have to do the whole confessional. In your work then as an executive coach, where do stories come in? Can you give an example of how you utilize them when you're working with clients? Sure. Well, I can give one example of working with someone on a keynote and they're trying to figure out how do they communicate the story, the journey of their business. And I try to find out what are those moments along the journey that were really challenging and choose one that they might be comfortable sharing. And then I ask them to kind of go into their imagination. So I could invite all of you who are listening out there to do the same right now is think, okay, what's a little crisis? Maybe from yesterday, maybe from the past year. You know, there've been a few, right? And go into that in your mind's eye like you're watching a movie. And try to see and hear and sense all that's going on. So I try to help the folks I'm working with go back into that room, go back into that felt experience and bring it alive for them and choose a few details that are going to bring it alive for the reader so that the reader can come there with us. I think that's one of the challenges and the fun in storytelling is that It's so vivid to us. It is that movie playing in our head. We can see it and smell it. And especially if it was something challenging or a big intense experience, it's very vivid, right? And yet the audience isn't going to get it if we just say something simple, right? Right. Like there were these people, we had this conversation, amazing things happened. So that's the, the way I try to coach people to bring us into the experience that you had with those details. And it doesn't matter so much which details you choose as long as they feel authentic and real and help bring the story alive. I could add that you can have fun with the details and try to pick things that will reflect someone's character. Someone walked in my office that I had never met and were wearing a sweatshirt and jeans and the baseball hat was on backwards, but I could tell right away that they were no ordinary venture capital kind of a gal. So that paints a picture right there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Now you work with executives in your coaching and you help them with things like, you know, as you said, with presentation skills and storytelling. Why is that, in your opinion, so important for executives and people in high-level roles? 
Well, it's important because ultimately, I think when we're talking about our business and talking about where we want our organization to go, whatever the mission might be, we need to build trust and relationship with the people we're talking to. And so it really does come through speaking one way or another. That speaking can also be on the page, but we need to give them some idea of our multidimensionality, right? And that the business has an origin story and, and we have an origin story that, and we bring threads from our journey into the work that we're doing. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you grew up with um, a dad who was a firefighter and a mom who was a middle school teacher in a little community, that may be a piece of your story. And here I am, you know, running this company with hundreds of employees. And what I bring to it every day is that sense of caring about the people where we live and taking care of people. And there could even be a story, um, like a short little story about, you know, about a parent, if that was meaningful or about something that you experienced along your journey to get where you are today and why you chose this profession. I think that's important yeah. because we just yearn to know who we're listening to and who's leading us or who we're inspired by, what's behind the inspiration. What do you think? Does that, does that resonate for you? It, it does. You know, I've, I've been around public speaking organizations like Toastmasters for, for quite some time. And one of the things that I see most commonly, especially with a lot of people who do come there to polish their skills for business, is that there is this tendency to deliver information and pretty much just information and it's impersonal and it's kind of boring. <laughs> and, and the reality is, uh, I think, uh, Dan, Dan and Chip Heath in Made to Stick said this very well. People just don't remember it. If you think about any presentation you've ever been to, people think, oh, no, I'm going to pack this full of information. I'm going to deliver all this great stuff. At the end of it, how much are you really going to remember? But attach a story to it and you will. You'll remember. We remember stories. We are, I think it's uh, Lisa Cron who says we're wired for stories. And, uh, and, and I think that's very true. So I know people have fear around sometimes adding stories in, or I've even had to say they don't really have stories of their own. How do you know what kind of stories are appropriate and how would you help a client of yours pull out some stories for a presentation that would be appropriate? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. You know, what's coming to mind first, and I don't do this often, but it could be fun to do a little kind of a, a a self 360 where you actually ask clients if you're someone who does share anecdotes at times already if they remember any of them and if so which ones so for someone going forward who's thinking yeah what do i share what's a fit i would ask yourself what is it that the person you're going to be speaking with or the group you're going to be speaking with really cares about what is the journey that they are taking or that you want them to take from here, the here and now into the future and try to choose a story that illustrates that. So on the one hand, I, I've coached someone who's searching for a new position within a very big organization and said, well, you might start this conversation by framing it with a memory of a time you had in working with this person, you know, that, that you've worked with for years and how in working with that person, you had this set of challenges and goals and how you got there so that the, the story that you kind of open with has that trajectory in it. On the other hand, you may have situations where you want to share a story that's not so serious and businessy to start out. You know, I did a post recently about a football star. Um, so I've got a son who's 11 and plays soccer, as we call it here in the States. And I decided I just wanted to put out there the inspiration I had gained from watching the World Cup. This was a few years ago, but it really stayed with me. So you might yeah. think, well, these people like sports and I'm going to just find some parallel here between something in the sport. You know, maybe you can talk about a player that they know in common. Let's say it's Ronaldo, you know, and you say, oh, well, this is what I see out on the pitch when he's out there. Right. And so too, that's how I roll, you know, in my career. That's 
an example of ways to tune into the audience and think it doesn't have to all be about the business at hand. It can be an analogy, right? You can use that as a metaphor. So that would be another way. And then I guess I would add, Johnny, that we often have stories happening to us and we just don't really take note of it in the rush of our lives. So some of it is just developing that um, kind of that lens where we recognize, oh, there's a bit of a story in that. It can be some mishap from the day, right? Or some offhanded conversation um, or something that you, you read in the news. And any of that can actually be material for story. What matters is that it really caught hold of you and figuring out why and seeing if you can share some of that in the context that you're moving into. Yeah. Uh, I, I think when it comes to actually putting together a presentation or anything that you might be delivering publicly or even thinking about telling stories, it's hard to sometimes come up with those stories on the spot while you're doing the preparation. Is it then a good idea to start thinking about collecting your stories in advance of those things so that you have a resource available for you? And if so, what's the best way, do you think, to do that? Uh, yes, it's a great idea to start. And the how would depend on who you are and how you capture information in general. Um, you know, years ago, I kept a little tiny notebook in my pocket. Sounds very old school, but it seemed to work in a very small pen. You know, I also, of course, use the note function on my phone because that's right at hand. You might think about a time of day when you reflect on the day or you know, are enjoying your morning coffee and keep a running list. Some people I know keep it like in an Excel sheet. One storyteller who I really admire, his name is Matthew Dix. I know Matthew. He's been on the show. Oh, he has. Wonderful. Yeah. Oh, I have to listen to that episode. Well, so he talks about homework for life and yeah. you know he's very disciplined. So it works for him to go into this Excel sheet and, you know, he makes himself write down a certain number every evening. You know, and he may not like them all, but it really sort of builds this muscle, right? I don't know if you yeah. talked about that. Um, he but did. it's, you know, something that any of us can do. It's just about finding the container and making it. And then lo and behold, you have all these bits and pieces and there's some gems in there, no doubt. So I would just say making it a practice one way or another. You also can build it into a staff meeting. So I work with both businesses and nonprofits. And what I found as an executive leader in the nonprofit space is building in questions about stories and to ask people who are out in the field is very powerful, that it's just almost ritual that in the meeting we check in. So from the past week or the past month, you know, what are some highlights of the interactions that we had with the people we're serving and just sort of go around, go around the group and collect them that way. Cause it's hard to find time, right? And we always have big intentions, yeah. but it's a matter of how do you just embed it in what you're doing or in one-on-one -on -one conversations? Tell me a high point. Yeah. I like that. I like the idea of encouraging other people to share their stories. And I think that there's a lot of power in that because people like to be heard and people, they maybe have the stories in their head, but they don't pay much attention to them. So getting to share them and actually being heard on that create some recognition and yeah, hopefully some insight for people and hopefully stories to use too. In the work that you do with executives, I, I was wondering like a lot of the people who change this show are perhaps uh, coaches, speakers, trainers, and maybe work in those sorts of environments as well. But if you were doing something like an online presentation or a course or program, how might you incorporate or weave stories into what you do in a way that's going to entertain, engage, and educate? Great question, because we are so much in this virtual world. You know, one thing I'll share that I find myself saying more to um, clients lately is help the audience come with you when you are heading into the land of story. Even if the story is short, give them a little invitation. So you might pause in what you're saying and take a breath and say, so now I wanna share a moment I had 
in the depths of COVID in 2021, and you let there be another breath, and you let people settle in. Even if it's going to be a short story, that will change up the rhythm and help them listen differently than if you just keep going at the pace you've been going and slip the story in. And then, of course, the wisdom that everyone who looks at story knows well is that you want to drop them into the middle of the action um, if you can, if it fits, right? So think about how you're going to drop the audience into the middle of the action of your story. And the other thing is invite them to reflect themselves on something that is along the lines of the story you're going to tell. Think back to last year. Think back to five years ago. Where were you? Just to get their brains rolling a little differently than that passive listening. I think that's one of the challenges of, of being here on the screen is that you don't have the body language and the atmosphere, this shared atmosphere that you're in. And how do we bring more attention, I suppose? How do we bring more wakefulness into the conversation? And it's by changing it up and it's by asking a question or inviting them to come along with us in some way. And I think silence can do that. And I think a signal like, you know, let me tell you about a time when, um, and I think dropping people in the middle of the action with that detail that brings them into the moment. Those are a yeah. few ways. Yeah. I, I like that. I like that. So the, the communication side is really important. I, I, I feel that stories are a great way to help people feel more connected to you and remember more of what you're talking about and also change up the energy and pacing of what you talk about so that it stays engaging, interactive. And these are, these are all things we, we touched on. When somebody comes to you, I imagine they're thinking, well, I, I want to be, I want to be as good as you are at doing that. I want to be a really cool communicator and speaker and be able to tell, tell stories. What, what's the very first thing that you do with a client who comes to you wanting to improve their presentations and keynotes? Well, I think the first question is, is what is your end goal? Where do you want this speaking, keynoting, better storytelling to take you? Because the answer to that will sh shape how I coach the person, right? And how we move through the questions of using stories in their work. Do they envision that they want to write a book? Do they have a keynote for a very specific type of an audience? Do they want to be funnier and just get people laughing through the, the nettiness of the way things are and sort of develop their inner with their team? So I think getting clarity about that First, you know, maybe it's more for personal development. They say, you know, I have just have always wanted to explore my life story and I don't know where it's going to go. It could be a talk. It could, it could be a book. It could be, you know, material that I'm feeding into my blog post, but I just want to craft my story. So that would be first is to hear what ideas they have so far about, I think of it kind of like the containers, because if they have a specific idea, then I'll say, okay, if it's, you want to create, um, a talk that you're going to give and I ask, of course, if it's virtual, or are they thinking about doing it up on the stage? Um, then I try to get an idea of how much of their story is it, how much of it is going to be the story of the organization, the call to action that might be part of it and go from there, the proportion of the personal and the professional and just get a feeling of the tone. You know, I need to spend time with the person to get to know kind of who they are, what their strengths are and what their character is like to help bring that forth uh, and then diving into the, the, all the material that they don't even know that they have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will often say to potential clients and customers, whether I'm working with them on presentation skills or not, that I, I believe that being able to speak and present well is no longer an option when it comes to leadership roles and um, C-suite and above, you know, Everybody has to do this now, just in some way, shape or form, especially if you are a business owner or an entrepreneur, it, has, it is absolutely critical. Would you agree with that? And, and is there anything you would add to that? Oh, it certainly is critical. And I would say being aware of what all of your platforms are, where your voice up is very important to, to look at that array 
the blog, the the vlog, the conversations with the team, the conversations with clients, and really get that full picture because the material you can develop is material you can use in all platforms. I don't think there's a limit. And so the work that you invest to develop your voice and become even more of who you are, whether it's on the page or on the stage, is time and effort very well spent. Um, So I think sometimes we aren't aware of places where we could amplify our voice and bring in more color and dimension, right? Bring in more anecdotes. They don't need to be long, again, um, to engage the people who are reading or the people who are listening. So I think that's the first step is really thinking of it as a whole mosaic and what is everything and maybe you want to add something to it too but I definitely agree with you Johnny that it's critical it's it's also I think I find with clients a way of crafting a better magnet and by that I mean you in developing your voice and making it authentic and bringing forth more of the color of who you are and what your business or your nonprofit, your, what your mission is, you are creating a stronger pull to draw in the people that you really want to work with because you're showing more of who you are, right? You're pulling back that curtain a little and that will attract those people better. So that's, I think, a silver lining, I guess, to this reality that yes, we do need to spend all of us more time thinking about how, you know, how we put ourselves out there. Pretty much, and and how we're seen by by other people as well. This is part of cultivating your professional image, your professional brand as well. Even if you're working in a corporation, you still need to have your brand, do your mark that you put on things. Uh, and I think it's a, a great way to be thinking about it. With particular regards to the business sector, who are some of the people you know, we may be able to identify who are killing it, who like do a really good job of presenting and storytelling in how they speak to companies, organizations, or whoever they're presenting to. Hmm. Do you want me to name drop here? Yeah. If you can think of a few particular people, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, working with companies and organizations. Yeah. That's a great question. Well, I've mentioned Dory Clark. Um, I think there's sort of a range up, up and down. I mean, I think of someone who really speaks to the writer in me is Seth. I think he's really gifted at illuminating what it means to communicate well and, you know, get going on, on your, on your best voice. So he's another one. Um, my mind's kind of like flooded right now with people, Johnny. So if I think about like who's, who's. Spoiled for choice. Well, that's, that's a nice problem to have. Yes. Like who's, who's really killing it. You know, I'm thinking of someone, I'm trying to remember his name. He works with IBM and I've just come across him recently. Maybe the name will come back to me in a moment. But I also think of people who are less well-known, who are, you know, I think out there just doing amazing consulting. I mean, I think of Ruth Ferenga, I think is her name, and she's really got this mindfulness orientation in her work with organizations. She's really about conscious leadership. I don't know if you know her work. No, no, um, no, I don't. I'll check her out. Yeah, she's part of um, this group in the UK called Drive, and it's headed up by someone who is a business mentor and advisor, Anne Hawkins. Um, and it's fun to know these people who aren't, you know, sort of like the big shining stars, like the Dory Clark or the Alyssa Cohn, who works with startups. Um, I also admire, but it's fun to think of the people who a, a smaller practice, right? Who don't have like hundreds of thousands of followers and what are they doing sort of out there on the edge? So there, those are a few people that come to mind. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like one of the, one, one client who I wrote door back and I wrote about this in a blog recently, when we started talking about uh, doing some presentations and online work, her initial fear was that she was perhaps going to not be able to go to the supermarket anymore because of people wanting her autograph and stuff like that. Well, I'm not saying that that couldn't happen, (laughs) but it is very unlikely. 
that that's going to impact your personal life in that kind of way. Because most of the people we're talking about are not like Hollywood A-list stars. They they are just general random people who you you may recognize them in the supermarket, but even you're probably not going to go up to them unless you really feel some some connection to them and an urge to say that. So so probably not. But but it's interesting how people perceive this thing of like putting themselves into public life and it is worth considering how you're going to be seen. But what do you think are perhaps the more realistic but positive and negative points of having more of a public profile? Hmm. Well, that's an interesting question. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that you have to um, be extra careful. More, You know, you have sort of more at stake if you have you know, so, so very many followers and you have to, of course, have a bigger team and delegate for some of the work. So you have sort of more layers. I think some of the fun of being an entrepreneur and having a small shop is that you're very close to the communications, right? There aren't a lot of, of layers. And I think also it's harder to stay in touch with what's happening out in the field, right? To know what, what's the experience of the people who are really delivering the services out on the front lines. It's hard. It take, takes work to stay in touch with that. I think it's easy to get swept up in the high-level strategic work with people who are in your, in your circle by necessity, right? There's a lot, there's a lot to be done. Um, yeah. So I think those are a couple pieces around communication and, yeah, what you're in touch with and how you just sort of, again, stay real, you know, and don't let don't let the feedback sort of get to your head. And I think the people that I admire are ones where I feel like they really, they stay real and they stay true to them themselves in the way they were, you know, before they became all big and famous, right? They can still laugh at themselves, right? They're yeah. I, I do, yeah, I do sometimes wonder if there is, is, is an interesting that when, when you have the smaller following of people who are kind of committed to and you can be more connected to, that you are more based in the reality of what's going on but i do often see for some people when they rise up they sometimes lose that connection on that journey of, of rising up because i guess they are more public figures they're more well known they're more likely to be recognized in public life and and that could be an issue for them but it also creates a level of perhaps detachment from what they do because it's essential i mean at some level when you have a big enough audience you have to detach at least to some degree right to be able to protect your own private life and to have some time away yes. from things so you know that uh, although that might may seem desirable for people to, to have that huge following and become a big online online star or <laughs> speaking star or whatever it does come with some of those things, maybe not to the sort of, you're going to be followed around by the paparazzi kind of thing, but being frequently recognized and, and having to be that bit more careful, as you say, about, about how you interact with people and protecting your, yourself and, and your own mental health as a part of that too. So yeah, uh, it's, you have to take your pick, I guess. Do you want to go go big and deal with all of those sides of things or keep things in a sort of in a high level, but not too big, not that you have to make any big changes or adjust your private life, but keep that deeper connection? It's, uh, it's a tough choice. Mm -hmm. It is a tough choice. You know, it's a question it'd be fun to ask folks who have a big following. You know, the person that I wanted to reference earlier is Jeremy Connell Waite. That's... Connell is C-O-N-N-E-L-L, -L and, and uh, it's hyphenated weight, W-A-I-T-E. I find his material extremely compelling around communications and story. He's the one at IBM. And I think it's partly because he keeps it, you know, in his video material, um, you can see he's like a kid in a candy store with some topics, right? He's having all the fun with the research he's doing and the ways he's he's thinking and what he's excited to share with us and and my hunch is you know he has to stay very present and conscious to keep that keep that spirit about him yeah absolutely so i wanted to come back to something you mentioned earlier about humor and comedy because i know that this is something that a lot of people in especially in corporate presentations professional presentations are really scared about doing and people will try and stay away from that 
how can you start to bring that in in a way that's going to feel appropriate and not be scary, like not thinking that you have to get on stage and be a tonight stand-up act, but actually you know, just maybe help create a bit more rapport and relaxation and connection with your audience. Humor is such a great topic. Well, it's great to start in some way with yourself um, and the small catastrophe. That can be a good source if you're not too, too introverted. That's a great well to draw from because it's always new material. And think about when you find yourself laughing at yourself, when your friends and family are laughing at you, what is so you and what trouble do you get yourself into? Because I'll love hearing people who are able to laugh at themselves. Yeah, we all do. Like I was thinking, yeah, I could share with you, Johnny, that, you know, I just, I love talking with people. That I remember this time of sort of self-consciousness when I'm in a parking lot at the grocery store and there was this truck parked there. I don't know how many wheels. It definitely had more than 18 wheels on it. It was this massive truck in this not very big parking lot. And I thought, well, maybe he's lost. Who knows what he's got a story, right? Um, it was an unmarked truck, so who knows? But I said to my son, let's go ask him if he needs help or what he's up to. And this conversation ensued, you know, he was from down in Arkansas and we talked about he was carrying in that truck. I can't even remember anymore. And I just had this moment of like, yeah, here I am stepping up on the little ladder thing and this chatting with this trucker. I'm like, that is so me, you know, and, and bringing my son along with me. And I was thinking that's a story I could work up. To let people know that I'm just always interested. I'm interested in helping somebody who's lost. I'm interested in what his story is. He came from somewhere. He's going somewhere. He has a job to do. And that's a very everyday bit, right? But it does yeah. give you a little color and it's out of the office. That's a, nice, that's a nice dimension to it. And funny would be to find, you know, one that has more of a mishap involved, right? Yeah, like the time when, you know, I was going cross country and just camping wherever I could. Um, and identified this little park on the map in this place called Lowell, Massachusetts. And I wasn't really familiar with Lowell. And I was like, oh, great. There's a national park here. I'll just pull, pull up and spend the night there. Well, it's completely an urban neighborhood. There was nowhere to sleep. And then I find myself driving into these crazy neighborhoods in Lowell and asking these people in random gas stations if there's anywhere to go camping recognizing this might not be the smartest thing to do to be getting out of my car it's like 20 something innocent looking young woman and so that's something where i could just play up that story about how sometimes i just jump into things and i don't it looks good on the map and let's go for it and this will all work out so thinking of your stories and mishaps is a great place to start mm. i think so i I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, an English, well, it's Irish, really, a talk show host called Graham Norton, but on, on his chat show in the, in the UK, it's on BBC every Friday, I think, um, he does this segment at the end of the show where he has members of the audience come and tell a story from their lives. And the idea is that they're meant to entertain with their story. And if they're not very entertaining, they pull a lever and they get thrown off the chair. Kind of thing. It's kind of funny, but I always find it interesting. I haven't watched it for a while, but often when it's people from the UK who are in the chair, because like he does have people who are English speaking from other countries in the audience too. So the stories of the mishaps that perhaps were entertaining nearly always involve getting caught short for the toilet and you didn't something involving bodily functions that's nearly always just to me it's just kind of gross i don't ask people why english people particularly seem to find that so funny but that seems to be a theme for a lot of those sorts of mishap stories and to me it's a bit like oh good grief another story about somebody who had diarrhea at an unfortunate time for a job interview or something like that it's not as funny as people think it is and, and that's definitely something i think people should stay stay well away from especially in in professional presentations do you think people should stay away from stories about bodily functions and fluids and the likes when it comes to professional life storytelling 
You know, I haven't thought about that. It's not one of my go-tos. I would say know your audience is what matters. And if you want to play it safe, maybe talk more about food as an example, um, which is, you know, so central. Everyone can relate to it. So some disaster at a restaurant or some blow up in your own kitchen and there's mess involved. And that might be a way to still hit some of the same humor notes without going all the way to the bathroom humor. But I yeah. think it's knowing your audience, right? I, I don't I don't know that there's any hard and fast rules when it comes to humor. I guess if you're perhaps if you're presenting in the toilet industry or something like that, maybe that's incredibly appropriate. So <laughs> I, I guess there could be times where, where it is and, and it does depend on who you're actually speaking to. So maybe nothing is completely off the cuff. But um, what, what are some of the stories that you like to use in your presentations, funny or otherwise, that, that you have had great results with? Mm -hmm. Oh. Well, one that is a, a bit more serious is from the world of farming that I shared with my staff when I was a leader. And what I said to them once in a meeting was that I had known of a farmer who, you know, came to this time in the year when a lot of the crops are ready for harvest and he pulled together the team, it's a bunch of 20 somethings and said, you know, you all know that the weeds have taken over a lot of the crops and we are way, way, way behind. And by the way, my organization was way behind on a few things. And what the farmer said was those rows of broccoli over there that we are going to be ready to harvest soon. What we need to do today is actually plow them under. And the young people look at him with huge eyes, like he's talking about tilling money into the ground, which he is. But what he said is, that will let us catch up with the rest of the crops. We cannot do it all. And that broccoli will feed the soil. And this is our way forward. And so they did. And indeed, they were able to catch up. And it's a great lesson that sometimes we have to make tough choices and that we cannot weed out everything down all the projects that we have in our plate, that other circumstances come up. And leadership is making those tough, unlikely decisions to plow yeah. things under. So that's an example of a story that just came in passing, you know, from the life of a farmer and struck me as such a powerful metaphor. And so I've told this story before. What, what I realized in hindsight was that it became part of our culture. It became part of our kind of our language as an organization that we didn't necessarily share this with the outside world, but we would share with each other knowingly that that item that task that we're not getting to that's broccoli isn't it and we would all nod and kind of chuckle because it sounded so funny but it was and the metaphor and the story really helped us that it's a tough moment to circle up and say yeah we're going to plow that under and let it go and just trust what we've done so far will serve us and feed us and we've got to just move on so that's one example no, I love that. That shared, shared metaphors like that are very, very powerful. And uh, that's definitely very effective. Uh, there's so much I could ask you because this is such an interesting topic for me, but I know that we do have to consider the time as well. So I do want to ask you, because we're all about influence and persuasion here on Australia. And storytelling, of course, is a critical part of building your influence and persuasion. Is that your greatest superpower in influence and persuasion? Or would you choose something else if I said to you, what's your, what is your greatest strength when it comes to influence and persuasion? Hmm. Well, I'd say my greatest strength coach is um, I love helping other people improve their influence and persuasion. And it's really through creating a space and listening so that people can go deeper into their stories, so that people can time travel with me into what they have felt and seen and known to be true 
in the life of their organization and then go deeper still. And I think where I influence and persuade is that people can take those risks. They can move into places that may feel vulnerable in developing their material. And what will come from that is more powerful than they dare to imagine. Fantastic. Let me ask you then, every guest who comes in the show gets asked for a book recommendation, and that could be related to the topic or not. Could just be a book that you have found very powerful that you like recommending to other people. But what would you choose? It's a book that a number of people may know called Talk Like Ted. Um, yeah, and, I think I've read that. Yes. And it's Carmen Gallo. And I found it extremely helpful in developing my own speech writing, the talks that I gave at big events or at conferences. It's a wonderful teacher, and it is just also a good read. There's a reason it was a Wall Street um, Journal best. So Talk Like Ted, he even writes a good title. I mean, who doesn't want to talk like Ted? The nine public speaking (laughs) secrets of the world's top minds. Yeah, helpful book. I I read that and a few others of his. Uh, I think his most recent book I read as well and got some, some value from. So a great recommendation. Thank you. One thing I would like to ask then, based on we talked a lot about storytelling and bringing that into professional life, what, what's one thing you hope people will most remember or take away from this conversation today? Oh, I hope you all will know with more conviction how you can serve other people by telling your story and telling more of your story. Um, it can seem self-centered sometimes right? We're talking about ourselves and things that we've experienced. I invite you to think about it as a service to others, as a gift to others. And I hope you take away that part of your opportunity. And I think obligation as a human is to share the inspiration you've got, the wisdom from the life you've lived with others. It's, it's a gift to other people. Yeah. Life is the stories that we create, and I I live to be a better storyteller, so I appreciate everything you've shared with us today. Sophie Wadsworth, thank you so much for coming and being a guest on Speaking Influence. Thank you, Johnny. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you got something valuable from listening in today, then I hope you'll consider sharing the show out with your friends and network so that they can get the same valuable lessons and learning experiences for themselves. If you haven't already checked out recent shows with amazing guests like Chris Ducker, Mr. Youpreneur, please do go back and listen to them. Some amazing interviews and some real gold in terms of information and stuff that you can utilize in your own influence and persuasion. Hey, if you have your device in your hand right now, please do consider if you're on Apple Podcasts, then just click the plus button, make sure you are following us on the show. And it would mean the world to me if you'd consider leaving us a five-star review. You can also do that at podchaser.com. Those are the two best places on the internet to leave reviews for the show. That helps other people to be able to see what value there is in speaking influence for them and also helps me know that I'm doing a good job. Please do make sure you are subscribed and I hope to see you again on another episode of Speaking Influence very soon. Have an amazing rest of your day. Go and make great things happen.